So just kind of going back to what I was saying, you can write your own story. You can define what your relationship looks like and not base it on your cultural, societal, or any standards. Yeah. Take inspiration from those standards and create your own right. design. Right. You know, design your relationships. You have the ability to do that. Yeah. Define what a successful relationship looks like to you. Mm-hmm. Because sadly, oftentimes, a lot of people base the success of their relationship on how many years they were together. Yeah. And that's really not a success of a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just a, a, a number to count. That's just a number. Love ain't nothing but a number. That's age. I mean, we're going to flip the script for this one. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. What's going on, fam? What's up, you Welcome guys? Welcome to the Hello Married podcast. We're your hosts, Jonathan and... Joe Encarnacion. We believe that life isn't perfect. Neither are relationships. And there are a ton of what the fuck what moments. What the fuck? Here we keep it real with messy conversations around... Sex, love, relationships, communication, parenting, and everything else in between. Because let's be real. Life is messy. So messy. And we're all just winging it. Laugh with us. Cry with us. And let's get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable. What's up, guys? We're What's back. Up? Hella married fam. And today we're going to get comfortable talking about the uncomfortable. Because right now I'm uncomfortable because it's fucking hot. It's sweaty balls. You know what sweaty balls feel like? I'm, I'm pretty sure sweaty balls might feel like sweaty tits. No. They're different? Probably. Have you ever had boob sweat? No. Have you ever had ball sweat? No. So I'm pretty sure they could be pretty identical. Yeah. We live in a pretty old house and uh, we have no AC and we don't have a pool and it was about 100 today and our house was an oven. So here I am with sweaty balls and Joanne. Oh, sorry. Shit. Joe has some sweaty titties. <laughs> so, um, just talking about last week, we're just going to recap a little bit. That one was kind of a deep one. Um, it was probably one of my favorite episodes to actually record together. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, and- I think, I mean, mainly because, you know, it's so rare for men to talk about what self love is like. Mm-hmm. And so much of the messaging on social media and everywhere else, like self love is so directed to the woman and the female audience. And it's, and I get it. I understand it though, because for a long time, we didn't know how to love ourselves. So many messaging out there of like what you should be, who you should become as a woman, et cetera, et cetera. It's really hard for us as women to identify what it really means to love ourselves. I feel like the hashtag, the treat yourself hashtag was catered for women. All the whole self-love entire genre and self-care is catered for women because we've never been given permission to historically. But now I feel like as times are evolving and changing... Men also need to step in that self-love. Self-love. Bom chicka bom bom. I don't know how bom chicka bom bom translates into self-love. I don't either. I I, I thought I would. That ba- was okay. Is that a bad joke? <laughs> that was terrible. Huh? <laughs> That's okay. So yeah, last uh, last episode was deep. I uh, talked a lot about me stepping into that parental role and uh, losing my sense of identity my passion becoming my work, and ultimately I became kind of complacent in the monotony of life, and that was really bad for me. Yeah, 
I really loved how you also called yourself out in your bullshit. I had to call and myself just out admitted to that on the on the podcast episode. I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, I just smacked. That's okay. Smack that ass. So yeah. So if you haven't had the chance to listen to it, if you're actually just picking up from here and now, check it out. It was a really good one. Um, because oftentimes men aren't given permission to self love, and there's a lot of shame attached to doing things that are associated with self love. For example, face masks and manis and petties and taking care of yourself. Fuck guys, take care of yourself. Take care of your feet. <laughs> take care of your feet and take care of your feelings. Because when you're cuddling up next to your boo in bed. They don't want to like rub their feet up against like like sandpaper, a, like a brick, <laughs> a brick with nails sticking out of them. Oof! Ouch! Wow, that is that's one sight to see. I would, I would never. That's good, men. All you guys out there, you better start taking photos of your feet. <laughs> no. And then having your friends, your girlfriends, not the girlfriends, but the girls that are friends, check it and ask, do they look like brick with nails? Yes. <laughs> because Jonathan says they shouldn't be bricks with no, nails. No, they should be they should be nice and soft. They should be so soft. They should so be silky. <laughs> silky. Because there's a woman loves nothing more than a silky ass foot. <laughs> <laughs> Dipping right into getting Comfortable with uncomfortable because it's fucking hot. We are going to talk about our lessons that we've learned through non-monogamy. So we're going to kind of go into this again, unscripted. We're just doing it on the fly. So, Joe, let's go. <laughs> that shit all right. Let's go, Joe. So, Joe, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, for me, the biggest lessons that I've learned in ethical non-monogamy is... Really learning how to listen to my needs and learning how to express them. And that shit is hard. And I think one of the things that, you know, people don't talk about with ethical non-monogamy is how important it is to be self-aware of yourself and learn when things are coming up for you and to express what your emotional needs might be, not just like your needs in a relationship, but what your emotional needs are for that moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times where I know I'll say things to you like, I need this type of form of reassurance in order for me to feel safe and secure as I'm working through my own old patterns and reconditioning what I've learned in the past about relationships or how I even show up in relationships. Right. One of the most difficult things is learning how to communicate those things and feeling safe and secure about expressing those things with your partner. Yeah. And yeah. yourself. Yeah. And uh, prior to us opening up our relationship and going into the world of ethical non-monogamy, I didn't really know how to own my experiences and emotions in expressing what my emotional needs were or what my needs were just in general. Yeah, I think we've grown so much in that because I remember in the beginning of um, us opening up our relationship and us like even exploring the ideas of me taking a trip with Chris. Like that was probably one of our biggest lessons. Mm -hmm. And I remember we talked to our therapist and she was like, whoa, that's a big step. Right. And she was like, that's some Dan Savage shit. And we both were like, who, who's, who's Dan? Who? 
Savage. Who's Dan Savage? And for those of you guys who are listening, Dan Savage, and I haven't really done too much like looking into him, but I guess he's like one of the first to really pioneer the conversations about ethical non-monogamy and non-monogamy and polyamory and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when our therapist was like, that's some Dan Savage shit, it was basically like she was referring to the fact that we were doing something like allowing space for me to go on a trip with Chris in the first three months of our relationship. Right. It was just next level. Whereas most people, when they first open up their relationships, it's like they're starting off with maybe a date and then coming home. Right. Or maybe a sleepover and then coming home. John was like, oh yeah, you travel a lot already. It's probably going to feel like the same other things. So go ahead and go. And I said it with the highest confidence and didn't know it would come up for me afterwards. Yeah. And I think that was a great learning experience because going forward after that entire trip, after having so many different things come up for me and feeling lonely and hurt and me obviously projecting a lot of my own feelings onto you while you were gone, we had to actually learn how to communicate our fears and our needs and our wants prior to actually jumping into something that big. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest lessons there in terms of that trip that was beautiful was that even though we were coached by Chris to try to create like a schedule and times for us to connect Mm -hmm. and kind of boundaries or just, you know, communication needs. And we tried to adhere for them. And we did a really good job of like, here's the times where we're going to connect. We didn't really prepare for the emotions that would come up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that trip was heavy. I mean, you got robbed. That trip was so hard. Yeah, you guys. So this trip, Chris and I, we go to Lisbon. It was my first time in Europe. And the first night I land in Lisbon was also part of this like, me going from SF to Arizona to Arizona, then to New York for a job, then from New York to Lisbon. All like there's three trips all in like 14, 15 days or something. And we rendezvoused in New York at that time before leaving for Lisbon. But the night that I got to Lisbon, it was really hard because you and I were having a really tough conversation. Mm -hmm. You were already missing me. Yep. You didn't realize how much jealousy and envy would come up in terms of comparison mm-hmm. of like me being in Lisbon and you not being able to offer that. So yeah. we were on the phone together and just trying to catch up. And I happened to leave the the window open or the door to the window. It was on the second floor of this apartment. And um, Chris and I woke up at 5 a.m. to two men in the apartment while we were getting robbed. It was crazy. So that was the first night in Lisbon. And it was so emotionally hard for everyone involved. Yeah. Especially you Mm -hmm. being on the other side and probably feeling helpless. Mm -hmm. And also all these other things. I felt very helpless. Yeah. Helpless. 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 And that was a really great experience for us because, yeah, like you said, I'm just going to echo you here. We learned how to deal with our emotions real quick. And from there, we had to learn how to be radically honest with each other mm-hmm. and fully transparent right. but with just, our feelings. Just so the listeners know, this shit didn't come overnight. And there were some hard lessons for us too. Right. So that was like one of our first biggest lessons. And then coming back was really difficult for okay. the both of us. Yeah. After that trip, I think, coming home, I felt like I was falling in love with with Chris. Yeah. And 
this is right before we were going to New York. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Fuck this. You need to like be over him and I don't want him in our life anymore. Mm-hmm. And you held me as I cried in your arms. Was that after? Yeah, it was Lisbon? after Lisbon. Huh. Huh. There's so many things. There a lot of shit did happen. Yeah. You know, I it's interesting too that you bring that up because I forget who I was. I was talking to someone about ego and putting ego aside. Mm. Because this person wanted a relationship with them, but at the same time they were struggling because he was kind of holding on to his ego in this other idea of what he wanted their relationship to look like. And I think just hearing you say that when I was like, well, you need to you need to cut him out of your life. Mm-hmm. You need to get rid of him. I think that was like totally my ego. Yeah, for sure. And just really holding on to this idea of what our marriage was supposed to look like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think both of us were going through a morning and a loss of an old relationship. The mixtures of feelings that we were experiencing right in the beginning was a combination of trying to rebirth a different relationship, having a new relationship being created. Let's say create a new, okay. not rebirth. So we're creating a new relationship yeah. while also mourning a loss of a different one, of an old version of our relationship, right? Like here's this new one and also we're losing this other one. Right. And I don't think it was anything that we were able to truly understand how to work through because nobody gives you the the tools on that. Yeah. Nobody, I think, tells you when you're on this journey of ethical non-monogamy that you're going to go through a ton of different emotions because you're mourning a loss of a different relationship. Right. And now you're having to recreate a new one. And all of that is a learning and unlearning process. And it is messy as fuck. Yeah, it is. Messy as fuck. I think what's beautiful is, and whether you're in a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship, whatever the fuck kind of relationship structure you're in, you have the power to write your own story of what your relationship looks like and what feels good to you. You don't have to adhere to the opinions of others of what they might want their relationship to look like. You ultimately need to write that story for yourself, your partner, so that way you can show up as best as you fucking can. So if something feels really fucking good to you in your relationship... No, I mean, if like you're in like a physically abusive relationship, like get the fuck out of there. Oh, for sure. Physically, emotionally, verbally. Yeah. There's definitely toxic relationships. I think we've said this before. Like there are toxic relationships and relationships that do really need to end. And one way to identify that is ask yourself, am I growing and stretching in this relationship? Mm-hmm. And also remember that growing and stretching can get uncomfortable. However, if the relationship is no longer nurturing you and it's no longer nurturing growth and it's a place where apologies and repair can't exist, that is a relationship that needs to come to an end right? because you don't even have the ability to actually repair the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's already dying. One done. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So just kind of going back to what I was saying, you can write your own story. You can define what your relationship looks like and not base it on 
your cultural, societal, or any standards. Yeah. Take inspiration from those standards and create your own right. design. Right. You know, design your relationships. You have the ability to do that. Yeah. Define what a successful relationship looks like to you. Mm -hmm. Because sadly, oftentimes, a lot of people base the success of their relationship on how many years they were together. Yeah. And that's really not a success of a relationship. Mm -mm. That's just that's just a, a, a number to count. That's just a number. Love ain't nothing but a number. That's age. I mean, we're going to flip the script for this one. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we learned the ability to design a relationship, which I think was not only exciting, it was hard, it was challenging, but it also gave us new opportunity to see ourselves in a whole different capacity. Right. We also learned in ethical non-monogamy the importance of processing your shit on your own. Right. I will not emotionally labor for you. No. I can support you. I will support your emotional laboring. But you, I'm not going to do it for I'm not, you. I'm not your dad. You're a grown-ass man. I'm not your parent. You're a grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> And I should be able to emotionally labor for myself. And right. I and I can now. Oh my God, it's been amazing. And I will say I've been learning to do better in terms of letting you know mm -hmm. exactly what type of support I need. Mm -hmm. And in the matter and form and the tonality and everything. Right. Yeah. So uh, I also think too, one of the biggest lessons we've learned is communication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, communication. Oh my God, communicate. We need to communicate because <laughs> it's so important. We literally up the level of communication. And I remember being on IG stories or IG live with you and how, you know, people were asking us what, what were some of the lessons we learned. Right. And how we talked about like, yeah, we have conversations we would never have before. Like I we would be laying in bed. Mm -hmm. You would be telling me about a woman that you're interested in or that you discovered online or something. And then we would be talking about just like what your conversation is like, how to guide you in that conversation. Mm -hmm. I would even tell you like, you know, how to maybe touch her in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And we, I remember laying in bed and we were like, wow. This is some next level shit. <laughs> this is some Dan Chavit shit. <laughs> I remember that night we were laying in bed and we were like, holy fuck. Is this what it looks like to have extremely honest conversations yeah. that are open and honest and we can talk about our desires within each other, with one another, and of other people with each other. Like it was just crazy. Say that again five times fast. I can't. I don't even know <laughs> if I could say it one more time. That's okay. <laughs> we were able to now communicate the desires that we have within this relationship. Uh -huh. And then we're able to communicate the desires that we might have for other people. Uh -huh. And we're talking about it without this. Oh my God, wait, wait. So, what? 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 You like what? whom? You think she's hot? You think what? You want to do what with her? Excuse me. <laughs> and instead, we're actually just, oh, that's interesting. What do you think you're going to learn from her? What do you think you're going to discover about yourself? Yeah. I think another beautiful thing is how we've become more curious about each other, to learn more about each other as that individual. Mm -hmm. And no longer as those parents that we became. Yeah. Like we both really just stepped into finding our own identities again and finding out things that make us happy 
apart from each other and apart from family. And I think what's beautiful about that is it allows space to have that curiosity. Mm-hmm. I was able to like go on a solo backpacking trip for the first time. And you were actually able to be curious about my experience. Mm-hmm. And I was able to fully step into that backpacking experience without feeling guilty of, oh, well, Joanne's not here with me, so I'm not going to have as much fun. No, I had a fucking blast. And it was amazing. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting how because we stepped into seeing our relationship in a different capacity and being able to deconstruct some of the traditional, more conventional views of monogamy, we were able to then release some of the pressure yeah. of having to be oh, that person's like every single thing and companion for everything because we're in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, And and I'm also just want to be clear to anybody who's listening. It's not that I think that happens in monogamous relationships. It's the compulsory like act and the act of like compulsiveness mm-hmm. of defining monogamy as that. Yeah. As the, I have to do everything with my person mm-hmm. and that's it. Totally. I mean, I used to think that a lot. Like I would I wouldn't want to lean into different experiences because I would there would be a feeling of guilt that I was doing it without you. And and that's pretty common I think because you know you get into these long-term relationships and you're like, "Oh my god, I have to be interested in everything they do. They have to like the same ketchup I eat because well, if they don't then then they don't really like the same hot dog experience I have. I mean, it's like one of those things where it's like, you need to do every single thing that I do or like every single thing that I like. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things that we've really learned to experience in our journey of ethical non-monogamy is we're discovering a different version of ourselves all the time. Right. I know that in our ethical non-monogamous relationship, I'm more on the closed side because I'm not necessarily actively dating other people. I have one other partner. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, technically you're more the open one because you're meeting different people and you're diff- you're meeting different women. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I'm pretty sure for you, you get to learn a different version of yourself in all these experiences. Yeah. And have different conversations with women. And you're able to see yourself as a different version of a, you know, potential romantic partner to somebody or a physical partner to somebody. Yeah. Well, my experience with every different woman that I meet is completely different because I am a complex human being as Mm -hmm. we all are. Yeah. I'm not trying to fit this mold of what I'm supposed to be. It's just that I open myself up to a different and unique experience every time I meet someone. Yeah, yeah. And then you come home with these interesting conversations that are all different. Yeah. And I think they're amazing. And then I also think what's been really cool is, you know, what I've seen from you, especially when you go out on dates, is you come home and you are fired up with desire. stupid. (laughs) And honestly, it's sexy to me. Yeah. To see you confident and to see you lit up and to see you desired by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that was something that we knew we would get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like you're turned on because your partner's turned on for life. Yeah. And in a different capacity. I can imagine if, let's say, you and I were just dating, but you were seeing other women. Okay. Right? And I'm like really interested in you. 
but you're like, you know what? I'm not exclusive. I'm seeing other women. I'm not really looking for, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dating around and there's nothing like super serious yet. Mm-hmm. And if I heard that you were dating other people, I'd be like, I really like this dude. I'm going to step up my competition. <laughs> so there's this healthy sense of competition okay. that gets kind of fired up within Okay, where it's like, well, I better start looking a little cuter, you know? <laughs> so yeah. he's still looking at me, right? And so I know for me, that is what kind of what kind of starts to fire up within me mm-hmm. is there's this healthy sense of competition where it's like, okay, how do I keep my game up <laughs> so that he's always still looking at me because I know he's being looked at. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you know, I'm going on a hike tomorrow. I know. And it's going to be six feet apart. I heard. And I also think, you know, one of the probably the biggest things that we've really learned in, in ethical non-monogamy is trust. Mm-hmm. And trust within self, trust within the other person, and trust in the entire relationship container that we've really created something really sacred here. Mm-hmm. I know I've had to learn how to trust my feelings. Yeah, same here. Big time. I've learned how to trust, yeah, like you said, my feelings and uh, learn how to communicate that with you. Yeah. And trust you that you will hold a safe space for me Mm -hmm. in expressing what I'm feeling. I Mm -hmm. think that's another beautiful thing. Like one of the most beautiful things is we hold space for each other to own our experiences and what our emotions are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think in the past, we would have done a lot of projecting Mm -hmm. or there would be a lot of don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't feel that way. Right. Whereas now it's like, well, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And these are my feelings. Mm -hmm. These are my emotions. Hold space for me. Mm -hmm. I think what's also really cool is we always check in with each other and we're like, hey, I'm just checking in. I think what you're saying is this is how you feel, right? So this has nothing to do with me. Right. I just want to make sure that this has absolutely nothing to do with me. And your RBF is really because of the fact that it's hot AF that here it's in hot the house. As fuck. Yeah. Because you were a moody little bee today. Thanks. <laughs> I was because it's fucking hot. Yeah. Yes. But I think historically also. Historically, I'd probably been like, yeah, fucking whatever. And I would have been like, oh my God, it's me. I need to make him happy. Yeah. Where I'm now, I'm like, you know what? The boy's got needs. He's he's self-sufficient. If he's telling me it's not me, I need to learn to trust that. And you supported me. You were like, you should get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Go to Target. We need ice. We need things. Go out. Enjoy the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Get out of the house. Yeah. And I did mm-hmm. with the girls. And I came back better. You know, it's really funny because this happened, this is the second time we've recorded a situation where you've gone out of the house during shelter in place and you feel better. Well, yeah, I like being out. I know, but what I'm saying is this is a pattern. We've now established a pattern on a recording. Yeah, so I will recognize it next time. So thanks for calling (laughs) me out. I will call myself out on my own bullshit. (laughs) Jonathan, (laughs) this is your pattern. Better recognize game, (laughs) recognize game. I also think too, we're really learning that there's no failure. There's only just learnings, right? Like we're never looking at anything like, oh my God, that was a big mistake. It's like, actually, what do we learn from that? How do we learn? A fog. A fog. And we got that from the ethical slut. Mm -hmm. 
And AFOG is an acronym for a fucking opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Of growth. Of growth. Mm-hmm. AFOG. Yeah. So it's like now we're like, all right, what's our growth moment here? Rather than how did we fuck up? Who was the fuck up? It's just how, how do we grow? How do we grow from this? What did we learn? Right. In this situation, how can we be better? Right. And I don't think we would have had that playfulness and that creativity and freedom had we not actually looked at our relationship in a different set of eyes. Let's touch a little bit on um, sacrifice versus compromise because I feel like now we just compromise a lot. Yeah, yeah. And also I want people to understand that our compromising isn't a negative thing. Like we look at compromise in the same way as negotiation. Mm-hmm. Because I also think there's another definition with compromise where it's, oh, that's compromised. Mm-hmm. Meaning that like something is off or broken. Like yes. it's a it's a quality that's like been tainted. Yes, like the phone line's compromised. We need to switch to a landline. Exactly. And for us, compromise is a dance of negotiation, if a you da- will. A dance, if you will. A dance, if you will. And so we've really learned how to compromise versus sacrifice. Yes. Whereas sacrifice means that one person has Is to give up their up needs. Giving up something. And in our in our relationship, I, I think we do a really good job of making sure our needs are met. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And it's also just being able to then actually ask each other if that's something we can offer mm-hmm. rather than demanding or expecting that the other person is going to be offering that support. Right. I think it's going to be important, though, for people to understand, for listeners to understand that you have to be able to communicate what your needs are first. Oh, yeah. Right. For sure. So if you want tools on that, we also have an episode called How to Have Hard Conversations. What episode is that? I think it was episode four. Four? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So if you're needing tools and guidance on how to have a hard conversation, head on to episode number four. (laughs) Right. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Um, What else did we learn? I think we learned mastery on Google fucking calendar. Yes. If we weren't Google calendar pros. We'd be like so all over the place with our time. Now we're way more Google calendar pros. Totally. So I think like on the liner note, you know, it's really funny because I remember one of the things that you said when you looked up and researched polyamory is that, oh, one of the biggest issues about this is time management. Mm -hmm. And you looked at me and you're like, with all the shit going on, do you really think you want an open relationship and date people and have to deal with all that? And I was like... Did I say it like that too? It wasn't quite like that, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of like, do you really think you can... I mean, you you were testing me. You were totally testing me at the time, mm-hmm. back in the fall of 2018. <laughs> okay. For sure. And I remember having to like hustle super hard to get shit done, almost as if I was like back at home or in school, trying to like get an assignment done just so that I could go out on a date with Chris. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got to get this done. But it was one of those things where I didn't want to be behind on work deadlines. I wanted to be able to show you that not only could I handle the time management concern that you have, right. but that this whole thing wouldn't be a distraction and that it wasn't just a distraction for me. Sweet. Before you take off tonight, can you put away the clothes? Sure. Thanks. I can do that and pack. Um, oh my God. Why don't you manage that into your time? I will. If you can't keep throwing <laughs> shit at me though, that like isn't in my calendar. 
put that on the calendar, see if there's time left. Oh my goodness. We've had to learn that, which I think was really good. And then also just being really highly respectful of each other's times. Mm -hmm. Something I do really, really love about what we've learned when it comes to how we communicate with each other, how vulnerable we are with each other, how we own our own experiences, how that has actually translated into how we show up in our relationship that we have with our daughters. And for you listeners, next week we're going to be having a solid episode on how to raise emotionally intelligent children. Mm -hmm. So going back, the ways in which we communicate with our daughters, the ways in which we hold space for them to own their experience and their emotions is a beautiful thing because we can now have these difficult conversations. We can have beautiful conversations. We have a relationship with our daughters where they can fully express what they're feeling. And at times, I mean, Olivia is only 10 and she's still learning. But Iris, I'm fucking blown away by our relationship with her. I mean, she is a beautiful, self-aware, incredible 16-year-old girl who is also passionate about helping her peers and her community of teenagers become self-aware too through hard conversations and just addressing hard shit. And I'm, yeah, I'm so proud of her. I, I don't, that's another thing that we learned out of ethical non-monogamy that I don't think we anticipated to learn is how to become better role models yeah. to our kids all because we had to learn how to fully show up in self-acceptance of our messiness, our darkest moments, our high moments in life. Talk about a journey of acceptance. Here we are embracing ourselves in a way that the world may never be able to understand or only a few people will understand. And we had to embrace our truth because if we didn't embrace our truth, we would be falling apart right. all the time. I can't even imagine what our family relationship would look like. Had we not? Had we not, yeah. So Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think. It's, it's crazy to think that the way that our family is, is mm-hmm. a product of ethical non-monogamy. It's a product of who we became yeah. as individuals. Yeah, thank it's you. not a product of ethical non-monogamy. Exactly. It was a, it was a product of the growth that you and I both did mm-hmm. to become who we are as individuals yeah. that we are today. And ethical non-monogamy was just a vehicle. Yes. You know, and that was just the journey that took us to where we are now. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be the journey for you guys or for anybody who's not thinking about ethical non-monogamy. I just hope that what we've shared with you so far gives you kind of like a a different experience and a lens to what a relationship could really look like if you took control of it and put it in your own hands and created the relationship that you ultimately want for yourselves. Yeah. So are we missing any other lessons? I don't know. I don't think so. We pretty much did it pretty good. 
I love how we're just holding feet with our toes. Yeah, That's I like, wish you guys would see this. This totally is like Filipino super Filipino. Right we should, I like, I'm just going to take a picture and then this way. Do it. When people are listening, they can really see. Do it. Just put it on stories right now. <laughs> people can really see <laughs> how a podcast recording is like because. Oh, I love you. We hold toes. We're Filipino. <laughs> I want to hold your toes. Oh, let's just shake our toes. <laughs> okay, stop. Ow. On the lighter note, John, like, are there any, I guess, funny memories or just what the fuck moments that kind of just made you smile or giggle over the last like year and a half on this journey of ethical non-monogamy? The time me and Chris were able to call you out on your bullshit. Oh, you will never let me down on that. No. So can you say more? Like, tell people what this was like. One day... One on one Wednesday morning, Joanne was at Chris's house. <laughs> so one morning she was with Chris and uh, I was feeling uh, a certain way. So I called her in the morning. We had a conversation. And uh, before we got off the phone, I had said something. And she says to me, you know what? I think you're just overthinking it. And then the conversation ended. We said our goodbyes. And after we hung up, I kind of sat there for a second. And uh, I remember I was in the atrium and I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm not overthinking it. I'm like trying to own my experience and figure things out because this is important to me. So I remember calling, I remember calling you back. Mm-hmm. And you answered, and I basically expressed to you, like, I'm not overthinking it. Like, this is my experience. Let me own it. And then you start giggling. And uh, I was like, why are you giggling? Is Chris there? And uh, you're like, yes, he is. And you said, I'm just laughing because he's giving me this look. And basically, he was giving her a look because she had done the same exact thing to him the night before. As he was trying to express to her just some feelings and some different things he was trying to process through. And she kind of did the same exact thing. So it was funny because I was like, is Chris there? Oh, Chris, you're there? Oh, you should get on the line. (laughs) And then he basically went on to tell me how she did the same exact thing. (laughs) And And then you were like, oh, fuck. I'm getting called out on my shit. It was pretty powerful. Yeah, that was pretty funny for me. (laughs) That was funny. Oh my God, I remember that day and I was mortified. I was laying in bed next to Chris and Chris was like, yo, bro, bro, I got you. I got you. And like you're laughing, he's laughing. (laughs) And I'm just like hands in front of my face, face palm, just like... Fuck, I got two people I'm in relationship simultaneously with. So I can't I can't deny my bullshit if you guys are both calling it out. Because both of you guys are holding up a mirror to me. Yeah. And it's a complete reflection of myself <laughs> and not a projection whatsoever because you guys are two human beings. Yeah. And there is no way that you can be experiencing the same exact thing simultaneously. And I knew in that moment. That's my shit. Yep. And I was like, fuck. That shit was hilarious. 
mean, yeah. So if, if there's one thing for me, it was that. <laughs> what about for you? Um, honestly, I never really realized, and it's not like a funny moment, but I never realized how much joy and love my heart would feel when I see both of you guys hanging out. Yeah. Or when I see you guys both talking or planning things. And I guess, I guess it was a funny memory or one of those heartfelt memories, but I was in LA for my mastermind group Mm -hmm. and I was on the retreat right before shelter in place happened. Yeah. And it was a long night that we had with the girls and I was wrapping my night up. And typically when I'm away from the family and, and Chris simultaneously, um, I call Chris first because I know it's going to be kind of a, a, you know, I like to wrap things up there. And then I call you guys in case, you know, Livy needs something, Iris needs something. Like your, your, my conversations with the family are much longer, basically, than my conversations with Chris at the end of the night. And so I called him and he wasn't answering. Mm-hmm. And then I called you and it also went straight to voicemail. Mm-hmm. And then... As I was like trying to get a hold of you and I was like, what the fuck? How come you're not answering? Chris sends me a text and he goes, I'm FaceTiming with John. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm reading this text message and I'm like, what the fuck? You guys are both talking to each other. And then you send me a text message, which is a screenshot of the FaceTime of you and Chris and Iris is in the background. Yeah. So then like you guys call me and it was the first time we're having a three-way FaceTime. Yeah. All together. And you were saying, I missed you. So I called Chris and Chris oh, yeah. missed you. So he called, we decided to just talk, talk on to the each phone. Other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty beautiful. And I was just like, wow, you guys are, you guys are supporting each other emotionally while you both are lonely for the same woman. Yeah. What the, f- what the book? <laughs> like, what the fuck? I mean, that's, I think every single, almost every single day, I am blown away and learning something new about love Mm -hmm. and learning something new about what it truly means to love myself, what it means to love you, what it means to love Chris, what it means to love the girls, what it means to actually just be in the power of love. And I don't think I really realize that would be a lesson I would feel in polyamory whatsoever. And so I know we're kind of jumping around here, but, you know, before we wrap things up, I wanted to like give our listeners a little bit of understanding of the different, the differences in ethical non-monogamy. Okay. Because our relationship isn't necessarily just an open marriage where we're, you know, dating other people or openly seeing other people or sleeping with other people. We're in a polyamorous relationship, Mm -hmm. which means that I have, or I guess I'm in the polyamorous relationship. Mm -hmm. I have a relationship, more than one relationship that are deeply intimate and emotionally connective. Mm -hmm. And you're in more of the open side of things because you're openly dating. (laughs) Yes. Right. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, it would have been this way. And also, um, there's also different forms of non-monogamous relationships. And some of them are ones where people 
don't actually have conversations about things. And it's more of like a don't ask, don't tell situation mm-hmm. where they have an agreement that things are open, but they don't want to know the, the nitty gritty details. Yeah. And for you and I... That doesn't work for us. We talk about everything. Yeah. We we go there. We talk about everything. And we just we just go there. And I know mm-hmm. for some people it won't work for them. Right. And then there's also like in polyamorous relationships, what is often what is often or more common, I guess I would say, is where the woman happens to be bisexual. And so she's in relationship in an, and the relationship or marriage is open because the the wife wants to go explore relationships with other women. Is that common? It's more common. Is it? Well, at least it's what I see more of. Okay, so that's what's portrayed. That's what's portrayed. That's what's go. a little bit more out there in the hashtag polyamorous, like, hashtag, or the poly life. <laughs> yes. Um, or like, you know, somebody happens to be you know, bisexual is like typically the reasoning for the opening up of a relationship. Whereas in our situation, I'm a straight woman who's in relationship with two heterosexual male. There's a couple of things that are a little bit different and unique about ours mm-hmm. because we're unique and different. I think what you're getting at here is you have the power and ability to write what your relationship looks like to you. Yes, that, that too. Okay. That too. Is there anything else? No, I think we're good. I'm just trying to get comfortable with not being uncomfortable out of this recording space because my sweaty balls are just <laughs> sweaty. And it's hot. It is really hot. It and you know really what, you guys? Hot. Like we, we are oftentimes doing IG lives and recording them and saving them on the Hella Married Instagram account on IGTV. And so if you guys are ever curious to just dip back and look at some of the conversations that we have, because of a lot of our viewers and a lot of our audience is always asking about our non-monogamous relationship, you guys can always view them there too. That's right. That's right. So. All right. I think that just about wraps it. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in next week where we talk about how to raise emotionally intelligent children and that's gonna be a good one i think we might have the girls on yeah we're still thinking about it we're thinking about it we have to order some things yeah we need to get out of the studio because it's hot as f okay thanks guys bye you can subscribe to the show on spotify apple or google podcasts breaker or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts follow us on social at hella married and don't forget that you can ask us anything on our website at hellamarried.wtf that's right fam WTF and just so you know we'll dish out our advice just like your Filipino tita and tita would but way cooler way cooler and please if you enjoyed the episode we'd love it if you just share with one friend or leave us a review on iTunes thanks guys peace out